Wednesday, June 28, 2018. This is the Hermetic Hour. I'm your host, Polk Runyon. And tonight, we present a discussion by our guest speaker, very honored Frater Sithmeth, on the Arbitel of Magic, published in 1575. A grimoire calling up a hierarchy of Olympic spirits which is featured in the fourth book of occult philosophy attributed to Henry Cornelius Agrippa, and that was published in 1655. And this is a very mysterious manuscript, which was outlined and summarized in the first installment, but never finished. However, there seems to be enough information sigils and instructions in what was published for some practical application. Frater Sithmeth will read his article on the Arbitel, and we will explore the possible use in relation to planetary magic. So if quaint and forgotten books of lore fascinate you, join with us, and we'll have a look at one of the most mysterious. And uh, let me introduce uh, Frater Sithmeth, uh, who is, uh, uh, I said, very honored Prater Sipmeth because he is sixth degree uh, in the Crater Repoa system, and that that is, uh, you know, the higher one of the higher Rosicrucian degrees. So, uh, Prater Sipmeth, are you there and with us? I believe I am. Can you hear me? Oh, I can hear you loud and clear. So go ahead and and uh, and, and proceed with your uh, your article on the Arbitel of Magic. I'd be happy to. I just want to check the sound levels. Last time I called in to discuss Pepe the Frog, I was apparently very quiet. Is is am I coming through very much loud and clear? You yeah, you're coming through loud and clear, and and uh, and uh, so keep it up at that level, and and it'll be fine. Go ahead. All right. In all things, call upon the name of the Lord, and without prayer unto God through his only begotten Son, do not thou undertake to do or think anything. Aphorism 2, the Arbatel of Magic. Mysterious tomes of ancient and half-forgotten lore, forged in secret by unknown hands, revealing to those souls brave enough to read them the great and terrible truths of the darkest magic. Such concepts are surely the stuff of mere fantasy and occult fiction. Yet in 1575, at a Swiss publishing house, a short yet powerful book came into public existence. Titled Arbatel de Magia Veterum, or Arbatel of the Magic of the Ancients, it is more commonly known by the simpler yet enigmatic title the Arbatel of Magic. Little is known about the creation of this work, and less still about the mysterious author, or even precisely when it was written. Although it is unlikely to have been written earlier than the mid-16th century, due to the nature of its contents and some internal references to the works of Paracelsus. Unknown, too, is the precise meaning of the word Arbatel, Arthur Edward Waite, in his book of ceremonial magic, assumes that the title is derived from the Hebrew name of an angel, which he surmises must have revealed the book's magical knowledge to its author. Others have suggested 
that it is a form representing the tetragrammaton due to its similarity to the Hebrew word arbothim, meaning fourfold, and al, or God. Another idea is that it is the author's pseudonym, or perhaps even the Arabian word for divine chariot, arbat el. But whether any of these are even close to correct may never be known. Published and republished over the many centuries since it first came into being, the Arbatel has been scrutinized and studied continuously in the occult community. Featuring prominently in the fourth book of occult philosophy ascribed to Heinrich Cornelius Agrippa, it was more recently and comprehensively dissected by the renowned occult scholar Donald Tyson in his publication of Agrippa's work. The book itself is divided into a series of 49 aphorisms, or statements of principle, these being gathered into seven groups of seven septenaries, outline a course of magical study neatly categorized into nine distinct tomes, none of which actually exist. For the greatest mystery regarding this work is the fact that it seems little more than the first book in a series of books which were never published. As Donald Tyson writes in his analysis of the work, the Arbatel was conceived by its anonymous author as a substantial work of nine books. Of these, only the first book was completed, but it is prefaced by an outline for the entire work. There is no evidence that any but the first book was ever written. It is more probable that the author intended the outline to serve as the template for his ambitious opus, and that after composing the first book, he lost interest or was otherwise prevented from finishing the plan. The general contents of each of these nine books is broadly outlined, and the specific subject matter to be contained therein described. The first of these books is entitled Isagoge, a word, a Greek word, meaning introduction, and presents the general principles of magic according to the author. Potently Christian in tenor, as many traditional grimoires are, the author wishes there be no doubt that his magic is sacred, done openly in the sight of God and the angels, with their approbation and aid. A noteworthy difference, however, to other works of magic is the emphasis that the practicing magician not separate himself from social interaction, but rather involve himself actively within the community, favoring kindness, charity, and honesty over remote and obscure rituals. The second book, as intended by the author, entreats the aspiring magician to fervently pray and seek the counsel of God and his angels. A specific prayer is given, and Tyson suggests that this particular chapter of work is dedicated to the invocation of one's own personal genius, otherwise known as the holy guardian angel. O Lord of heaven and earth, creator and maker of all things visible and invisible, I, though unworthy, by thy assistance call upon thee through thy only begotten Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, that thou wilt give unto me thy Holy Spirit to direct me in thy truth unto all good. Amen. 
because I earnestly desire perfectly to know the arts of this life and such things as are necessary for us, which are so overwhelmed in darkness and polluted with infinite human opinions that I of my own power can attain to no knowledge in them unless thou teach it me. Grant me therefore one of thy spirits who may teach me those things which thou wouldst have me know and learn to thy praise and glory and the profit of our neighbor. Give me also an apt and teachable heart that I may easily understand those things which thou teach me and may hide them in my understanding that I may bring them forth as out of thy inexhaustible treasures to all necessary uses and give me grace that I may use such gifts humbly with fear and trembling through our Lord Jesus Christ with thy Holy Spirit. Amen. Of the sacred magic of Abramelin the mage, which famously details the means of contacting one's holy guardian angel, was published in 1608, 33 years after the Arbatel. The third book is dedicated to the invocation of the Olympic spirits, or governors of the seven planets, a great deal more detail is presented within the span of these seven aphorisms, detail which practicing magicians will be all too familiar with. The practical method for making use of the seven governors is given concisely. Each is called in his own hour by the proper name and office and by the displaying of his particular sigil or character, which has been tested by the magician and confirmed by the governor himself to be valid. Certain powers and abilities may be drawn from, the communi from communion with these spirits, according to the Arbitel, powers such as the ability to turn anything into stone, invisibility, teleportation across vast distances, greatly extending one's own life, or even magically creating the philosopher's stone. And although the distinct names and sigils of seven planetary spirits are given in this third septenary, a very important point is made that the names of the Olympic spirits are not fixed but vary from one magician to another as they are delivered by the spirit referred to as the spirit the revealer. This is probably the tutelary genius or holy guardian angel of the magician which acts as an agent or intermediary in communication with the spirits. The author states that the names of the Olympic spirits seldom have any efficacy above 40 years. They are delivered to the magician for his personal use and cannot be used by other or later generations with any expectation of success. The implication is that each person must seek his own names of the Olympic spirits and his own set of characters or sigils. Therefore, the names given in the Isagoge are frustratingly only examples. The author gave the advice that young practitioners should work by the offices of the spirits alone, without their names, and if they are preordained to the practice of magic, those names will be given in due course. The seven names that are given do appear in other grimoires. Aratron for Saturn, Behor for Jupiter, Valeg, Mars, Ok, the Sun, Hagith, Venus, Ophiel, Mercury, and Fal, the Moon.
appear prominently in the veritable key of Solomon by Stephen Skinner and David Rankin. This particular version of the ever-infamous key of Solomon was taken from a 1796 French manuscript and presents a comprehensive system of occult operations dealing with the specific Olympic spirits found within the pages of the Arbatel, and although published over 200 years later, offers the practicing magician a viable and extant alternative to the Arbatel's missing third book. Enigmatically, the seven spirits, despite their transience of their names, are said to rule over curiously large and specific passages of time. According to the author, each governor rules over eras of 490 years. The parade of these eras, beginning in 60 BC, for unknown reasons, places us neatly in the era of Ophiel, of the planet Mercury, which apparently began in the year 1900. What precisely will occur when this cycle ends in the year 2879 can only be guessed at. One final curiosity within this section is the foreboding caution. A man that is a true magician is brought forth a magician from his mother's womb. Others who do give themselves to this office are unhappy. Precisely what this means is unclear. It might indicate the need to be a natural psychic or scryer. It may simply refer to that strange and ineffable pull towards the mystical that all true practitioners feel. But taken at face value, it would seem to suggest that one must be born a natural magician in order to work with these spirits. The fourth book is titled Hesiodiacal and Homeric Magic, the magic dealing with the Greek mythological lore described in the poetry of Hesiod and Homer, and the manner of controlling the spiritual creatures of the pagans, here called cacodemons, evil spirits, in such a way that those spirits may be induced to help in an act, act in a helpful manner. Among these spirits are the satyrs, dryads, sylphs, nymphs, and similar earthbound spirits of springs, trees, hills, stones, meadows, pools, and rivers. They are in contrast to the celestial spirits of the planets and their legions of serving spirits. Due to the undeniably passionate Christianity of the author, it is difficult to know whether the pagan earth spirits that would be treated in this book are actually evil or merely maligned, transformed by the Catholic Church as the goddess Astarte was, into terrible demons. Such spirits bear curious resemblance to the Siti, or she of the fairies of Celtic legend. And it is interesting to note that the Book of Oberon, a grimoire dedicated to the Fey folk, was completed in 1577, only two years after the Arbatel. The fifth book to Roman, or Sibylline magic, similar to the imperial ambitions of the English magician and scholar Dr. John Dee, this work is intended to call spirits that are placed over different geographical regions of the world. It should be noted that the publication of the Arbatel was contemporary to the life and work of Dr. John Dee, 
but predates his first meeting with his infamous scryer Edward Kelly by seven years. It is quite possible that the Arbatel's mysterious seal of secrets, an elaborate wheel of spirit names described in Aphorisms 27, belongs to this particular branch of Arcana. The wheel is not dissimilar to other spirit wheels, such as the Master Mandala of our order. The Arbatel is noteworthy for what it omits as for what it includes. The way of drawing the seal of secrets is described, but the names and placements of the spirits that should occupy it are not given. The seven seals of the Olympic spirits of the planets are depicted, yet the manner of using those seals is never explained. Also to be covered was the doctrine of the Druids, but the author gives no hint to the nature of this subject. Tyson suggests that perhaps augury, the magic of omens and signs, was intended, since this is associated both with the Sibylline books and with the Druids who were famed for their powers of divination. The sixth book was to detail Pythagorical magic, Named for the Greek philosopher Pythagoras of the 5th century before Christ, this chapter of the Arbatel would undoubtedly have borne close resemblance to the numerology of Agrippa's second book of occult philosophy and may have included predictive astrological magic. Book 7 is dedicated to the magic of Apollonius. Apollonius of Tyana whose life was described biographer Philostratus, was a first-century mystic and possible contemporary of Jesus Christ. He was most renowned for his ability to cast out evil spirits, and his fame is perhaps second only to that of Jesus in this regard. This auspicious chapter likely dealt with exorcism and perhaps even a form of goetic evocationary magic. Book 8, entitled Hermetical or Egyptian Magic, was likely set aside for a very specific form of ancient arcana. As Tyson puts it, the Egyptians were concerned with a process of thergy, known as God-making, whereby they induced spirits to descend and indwell in statues or other images imbuing them with animation. In this way, the spirits indwelling in physical vessels could be more easily contacted and utilized by the magician. It is likely this chapter would have dealt with such magic. As Hermes Trismegistus said, they invented the art of making gods out of some material substance suited for this purpose. And to this invention, they added a supernatural force whereby the images might have power to work good or hurt and combined it with the material substance that is to say being unable to make souls they invoked the souls of demons and implanted them in the statues by means of certain holy and sacred rites Hermes called this the telestic art Tyson believes that Book 9, or Prophetical Magic, 
in contrast to the Druidic divination of Book 5, would have been intended for the interpretation and manipulation of biblical passages for the purpose of prophecy. It is strange that the Arbitel, essentially being an incomplete and limited work, would be chosen to feature so prominently in the fourth book of occult philosophy, alongside more eminently practical works on geomancy and ritual. Placement has the odd feel of a modern extract, as if it was included out of expectation or the desire to be obsessively completist. Donald Tyson, in a moment of academic whimsy, muses that it would be a fascinating project for a writer having some depth of knowledge and ability in practical magic to recreate the Arbatel in its entirety. And most tantalizingly, the work is perhaps meant to offer only a template of magical study, empty chapters whose broadest contents are only generally defined, such that the individual and gifted magician might compose his very own personal arbitel of magic as his studies and skills progressed. A completed arbitel, the mark of a true magician. Was excellent. And, and, uh... You have some uh, you have some following notes on this, but uh, 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 you want to you want to cite uh, the, the, the main bibli- bibliographic reference would of course be uh, would be uh, the fourth uh, book of Agrippa that uh, uh, that Tyson edited, uh, and that of course is available uh, from the Wellen Publications. Um, that's not to be confused with the with the uh, with the uh, the big black uh, uh, book of occult philosophy, this is the second one, the fourth book of yeah. occult philosophy, and it has a kind of and a, it's uh, red. a yeah yeah it's kind of, it's kind of a maroon cover uh, whereas, yeah. <laughs> the, whereas the first book the first book's black. Uh, thank you so much, Professor uh, Smith. That was a that was a very very beautiful presentation. And what I want what I would like you to do is I would like you to put that up as a blog. Uh, on our website, if you would, and then uh, please do, and then uh, we can, you know, uh, some of the comments section on the blog, we can we can make some of the comments that we're that we're you know we'll, we'll do as a follow up. So yeah, as I say, please definitely do that so the members can all, uh, uh, you know, can all read it. Uh, and uh, now you know. Uh, Tyson, Tyson's, uh, as you said, Tyson's uh, speculation about about magicians who have done this uh, immediately. Uh, I think about Barton and 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 his second, uh, you know, Barton's second book, uh, Magical Evocation. I think I think he he uh, I think he's very definitely influenced by the Arbatel. And he went and had got the and got all the spirits himself, and and uh, and you know has and and, and and did the sigils in the back of the book. You know his his sigils are all automatic writing, uh, whereas the sigils that um, 
sigils that the author of the Arbatel has, the sample sigils, appear to be kind of like they're derived from cameas of some sort. Uh, but but um, and also, what do you think? Uh, it, uh, you know, I honestly feel like uh, like uh, the Arbatel influenced uh, D. M. Kelly with with their with their Enochian uh, workings. Uh, you know the the governors and 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 uh, terrestrial victory. The the governors applied to the uh, applied to the regions of the earth. Uh, there's so much uh, influence, and the Arbatel, of course, was published uh, well at least uh, about 60 years before uh, D. N. Kelly actually uh, you know uh, actually came out with their um, their work. What do you think about that? Well, it's hard to say, simply because the author of the Arbatel is utterly unknown. The only thing known about it is that its first publication, of course, appeared in Switzerland in uh, 1575. But um, it's certainly true that, I mean, the Book of Oberon appeared a couple of years later, and I'm, I think I think that work was published, I think it was published in England. Um, I'm not sure about that. But, it, yes, I mean, it it's, it's quite possible there was a network of... Um, I mean, they may have very well been a network of occultists. So John Dee was a, you know, he was he was a, he was a socialite, and um, of course important to Queen uh, Elizabeth I. Um, it's very possible it was one of his students, or perhaps one of his associates, and they may have shared the information. But really, that's only speculation. But it does, it definitely has a feeling of the magic of the day of the 1500s. Um, which would, I mean, it could, possi- it could possibly be that the, one of the reasons why the author never published his nine books is perhaps because the material was already out there. Uh, it may very well have been published by others, and perhaps he felt it may have been, uh, I don't know, um, redundant to publish his works, or maybe died. I, I, it's, it is speculation. Uh, yeah, that's possible, and... and uh... The uh, uh, you know the the, the the whole idea of the Olympic spirits. Uh, we know that uh, during the during the during this this period, the uh, the Italians especially, and this 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 book apparently is originally Italian. The Italians were reviving classical paganism, and they were reviving it, and and of course, uh, and Dante. Almost gave it a, a kind of a Christian imprimatur because you know he had the virtuous pagans down in his Tartarus, and and uh, so they, they, they're, there's so much of this Italian Renaissance, and you know, uh, and, and, and it's Florentine. I mean, I I I, I, I re- reading between the lines in in, in the Arbatel, you, you almost it's almost like it's almost like you can see somebody in in Florence. Uh, writing this thing, you know, <laughs> it just—it just seems like uh, I'd, I, I would love to get—I'd uh, love to get Jocelyn Godwin's uh, interpretations on this because, uh, you know, he—he uh, he would certainly uh, be able to to, to, to give us it. You know, well, you know, like like you say, the, the hip—you uh, can almost—you uh, can almost see the. Uh, uh, the Arbitro, uh and, and and right alongside the 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 Hypnorotomachia, you know, <laughs> they see they they, <laughs> they sort of seem to go together, and and uh, uh, the uh, uh, so I'm I'm just really I'm I'm fascinated by it, but my main 
my main fascination is all of the various uh, magicians, both then and later, and, and later in England, and they were in, influenced by this. This this uh, tremendous yeah. influence. And and uh, it, it is strange. And, it is strange that they were influenced so much by something which is essentially incomplete. Um, why that is, I don't know. Um, it might. It would be worth noting that the publication, the first publication of the Book of Occult Philosophy, uh, the fourth book, so not just the Book of Occult Philosophy, uh, but the fourth book of occult philosophy, which this has been included in, was actually published in 1559, which is about less, a bit, 17 years before the, the publication of the Arbitel of Magic separately. I don't actually know whether it was included in that first publication. I don't. That's something I should actually look into. I didn't. I didn't think to to check that, but clearly it was significant enough to include in future publications. Regardless, it's a it's a mystery in that regard. It is fascinating that it entreats the magician. The, the I could say that the the most direct and practical section of the work entreats the magician to seek counsel with his holy guardian angel. And oh, yeah. Then, ostensibly, and it gives a prayer for that. So essentially it gives the entire operation, as the, the simplicity of the holy guardian angel operation, you know, according to and tradition. You, it's and you will notice, you'll notice the, uh, about that, and this is, this is something that we should definitely point out, that uh, it... That it it actually refers to in the Arbitel when they were talking about the uh, uh, the guardian angel, the holy guardian angel. It's it, he cites Hermes, Hermes uh, talking about the uh, the astro, the, the angel of your birth and and of the stars. Yeah. In other words, that that very that section in in uh, in, in the Pomander, which which Agrippa also. Uh, uh, replied to, and which is also in the Pauline Art of the Lamegaton, which cites that there are three guardian angels, which is what uh, what we do in Crater Apollo. We when we do we do yeah. the Holy Our Guardian Angel Retreat. We do all three of them, and that's not Abramel and the Maj. Abramel and the Maj only does the greats, the uh, the the yeah. the, 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 the Empyrean Holy Guardian Angel. He doesn't do the the lower zodiacal and planetary one. Uh, and, but, and, but, but the publication but, yeah. of the book of uh, the publication of the book of Abramelin happened in 1608. But that would indicate yeah. that whoever whoever used the system of the book of Abramelin was alive at the same time as the Arbatel and quite possibly influenced it or used the Arbatel itself as a source for their magic. It seems to me that there's an indication in this that there was a greater occult community at large that was utilizing all of these systems and sharing knowledge, which would oh, make yeah. sense in the sense that, in the sense that uh, John Dee was also interested in, in magic, that, of course, the Enochian Aethers um, to be placed across the planet such that it could be, uh, such that mag planetary magic could be done. Um, and this, too, suggests that, though it doesn't give any spirits. But at the same time, What's interesting is it says that um, the spirits don't have names beyond 40 years. And in that essence, the only immediately applicable section of the Arbatel that you could, without any other resource or grimoire, the section that you could use from the Arbatel is 
the first uh, first couple sections on um, on basically priestly dedication to the work on uh, community love and contact with the holy guardian angel after you've made contact if God so ordains the rest of the book could foreseeably be channeled so in a sense maybe it was never meant to be finished except by the individual practitioner which is I mean it's my own suggestion but it's a tantalizing one especially considering that they say you know the sigils are just examples the spirit names are just examples even though they appear in future work it may be that you're meant to make contact with the holy guardian angel and all of the magic from there is personal and personally generated but the scaffold the spirit names the spirit wheel which is given um, and samples for the sigils is given the king the number of uh, their ruling days and spirits and powers of the planets are given but the exact means for contacting them is not which might indicate that you're meant to discover that from the holy guardian angel and that is in itself an interesting point because in the, uh, the aphorism 17 or 18, he suggests that you have to be born a magician. But at the same time, that kind of belies the idea that you make contact with your holy guardian angel, unless they mean he means specifically, he or she, who knows, means specifically that the, uh, you have to be born a natural magician or scribe to make contact planetary spirits. But I think he means in general magic, which is odd when you think that, well, if he's getting magic and inspiration from the Holy Guardian Angel, which is something that all other magical texts suggest anyone can do, so long as they have the dedication to do it, then that would suggest, no, you're not born a magician. You you gather this magic and this knowledge and these uh, techniques from your Holy Guardian Angel. So... It's a bit of a mystery that one. Yeah, that 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 is uh, uh, that that is kind of a well. It's it sort of goes along with the biblical idea of the elite. You know, the 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 hundred forty four thousand supposedly yeah. uh, in, in in the Bible that that are supposed to be saved and and the and and the rest are not. It, it, it's part of that of that 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 chosen people kind of thing. Uh, I like to say there is no such thing as just chosen people. There are only people who choose to be chosen. But uh, that's my own philosophy. <laughs> there are only those who choose to be chosen. But uh, the uh, uh, interestingly enough, also I might mention that uh, that Ophiel, Ophiel is the spirit of Mercury. Now, interestingly yes. enough, one of the very few people, one of the very very few people, uh, back in the 1950s who was uh, teaching magic and had a whole bunch of basic books uh, on magic, which were being published by Weiser and Llewellyn, uh, was a fellow by the name of Ed Peach. And Ed Peach called himself Ophiel and the spirit of Mercury. And, and uh, obviously he got that that idea from the, from the, Arb- the Arbitel. And, uh, I, you know, I still have and still recommend some of Ophiel's books. His little book on astral projection is still one of the best ones out there. And, and uh, you know, yeah. In fact, remember remember when uh, uh, when you suggested uh, uh, the Australian fellow who uh, who on Robert, Robert Bruce. 
Yeah, benefits. right. And I and I and I and I and I, and I remarked and I got Robert Bruce's book and I realized that uh, that so much of what uh, Robert Bruce had in there was was just basically what OPL was was uh, publishing on astral projection back in the 1950s, and uh, hmm. uh, and since then I, I think I gave you a copy of uh, what I gave you a copy of of of, 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 um, of OPL's little astral projection book. I think the rats had chewed on it or something, and, <laughs> and uh, but it's it's still a very it's still a very yeah we we have we have. Uh, sentient rats in the temple. They ate the leather yeah. cover off my Bible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those rats are incredible. Yeah, but the most uh, they are, the they most are incredible. incredible. Oh yeah, they are. That then I uh that one time I got so mad at them I started, I started poisoning them and they they took all the poison out of the out of the bait box and put it on my computer table. <laughs> they, <Yeah. laughs> they're incredible. Yeah. Anyway, uh so so now I kind of I kind of leave them alone, but uh uh anyway though the um um uh the influence that the Armatel had on on magicians you know, I believe Dean Kelly. I can see a lot of parallels in in in, uh, uh, in the in the in the uh, in the with the Arbitel in in terrestrial victory, which which was uh, you know the original version of yep. the Aether system. I can see a lot of parallels, and I know that that uh, Dean Kelly were both steeped in Agrippa, and they certainly had access to and uh, you know that fourth book. And and um, yes. so the Arbitel, Arbitel, I think definitely influenced Dean Kelly, and I know it influenced Barton. I mean, there, I don't think there's any doubt about the fact that that the Arbitel. And I agree with you that I think it also influenced that German version of uh, of Abermellon. I think it did. Yeah. I, I, and, and I, yeah. Very definitely. And uh, and so the, the this 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 Arbitel is is something that. That every student, serious student of magic, should certainly read it over, and and uh, and be aware of the of the influence that it has had, and I think that that, that we, and you know it, it it's like the connection between uh, between classical paganism, especially in Italy during the Renaissance, like I said in Florence, I can I I almost I almost. Can can say almost with a certainty that uh, that if the Arbitel wasn't written in Florence, uh, it certainly uh, whoever wrote it was certainly had had a strong affinity for Florence and and for the whole Florentine uh, system. Um, well, anyway, I have, a, to, I have a sorry, I have a, I have an I, I, I mean Donald Tyson um, says uh, states very clearly um, in his critique of the work that. Uh, John John D. There's no record of John D. having a copy of the Arbitel, but it certainly seems as though a great deal of John D.'s magic is uh, uh, analogous and very very similar to to the Arbitel itself. And to me personally, I feel as though if if the magic is similar in that way, it may it may be that rather than the Arbitel having influenced John D., it may have been the other way. Um, again, I think perhaps there's, despite the fact that it was published in Switzerland, I mean, at this time, John Dee was serving as a court astrologer to Queen, uh, Queen Elizabeth. But um, it's very, very possible, I think, I mean, I think, I mean, it, again, <laughs> speculation, but 
I think that it's quite possible that the Arbitel may have come from directly or indirectly from um, contact with John D in some way. Um, it's a it's more of a uh, an, an I'm not guess, sure. I suppose. I'm not sure the dating is going to back that up though, because uh, uh, you know the the uh, the publication of, of, of the Arbitel precedes uh, D. D and uh, Kelly, they 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 were working around the turn of the century, you know, uh, and and and, they, and their work didn't get didn't get published and and didn't didn't really get in circulation until until after until literally after 1600. So so I think it it, it probably is the other way around. The Arbitel uh, they would have had the Arbitel. Uh, Kelly well and uh, Kelly John, John Kelly published. Kelly John Dee published his uh, Magia Naturalis in 1558, um, which yeah. was bef- much long before the Arbitel. I mean, he was probably fairly young at this time. I mean, Edward Kelly was born in 1555. Yeah, But, yeah. Um, but regardless of that, I, uh, he had published uh, at least one work on, on natural magic at the time, um, you know, about, about t- 15 years beforehand. Um, it's quite possible that it was... I mean, it might have. I feel as though it's possible that if it was not from him directly, it was from one of his associates or someone sourcing perhaps his library or network. I'm not sure. Again, it is speculation. Well, yeah, right. Well, now we can we can uh, we can split hairs on this uh, probably <laughs> quite a bit, quite a, quite a bit. Yes, but anyway, uh, regardless of whether uh, it, it influenced it or do influenced it, it certainly was. The Arbitel certainly has been very, very influential, and also uh, the, that it is uh, somebody's. It inspired some magician, according to uh, uh, Tyson. Says some magician was inspired to, to study the Kabbalah. Now that that's kind of strange because um, all of the Hebrew and 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 that has been applied to the Arbitel is is a superficial application. The Arbitel yeah. doesn't involve the Kabbalah at all. If anything, no. it would involve a Greek. It would involve a Greek Kabbalah, um, which which it doesn't. Yeah. But but it, but if it, if it was going to have a Kabbalah, it would be a Greek Kabbalah. And and uh, however, uh, those those very strange sigils, uh, you know, Ock and and and, and Fool and all of the rest of it, and uh, all of those sigils, they have the look of Kameas. They they yes, look they like they're Kameas. And in case. Uh, in case anybody listening doesn't know what a kamea is, it's basically a magic square, and you derive essentials from, uh, you know, making geometric figures based on letters in in a magic square. That's how you create a kamea. And and uh, um, but the, the, but these the, those these uh, sigils that uh, the arbitral author uses as examples. Of course, as, as we've been saying, they're, they're just examples. You're supposed to do it yourself, and you're supposed to come up with these things yourself, which, of course, Barden did do, and, and came up with his entire planetary grimoire, uh, grimoire in, the second, in his second book. He did, did it himself, and his names are not, not taken from the arbitral. Uh, he, hmm. he, he took the arbitral at his word, and he did it, he did it himself. Uh, and uh, that brings me to uh, to uh, what we're going to do next week. Next week, I'm going to review um, Stephen Flowers' latest book, 
Well, actually, it's it's the it's, it's the fourth edition of uh, of his book on the Fraternitatis uh, Saturni, the uh, the German uh, ceremonial magic order that was founded in 1926. And uh, this book book has just come out. Stephen Flowers. History, Doctrine, and Rituals of the Magical Order of the Brotherhood of Saturn. And, uh, and uh, this is published by, by uh, 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 the inner, inner Traditions. And uh, this is a remarkable, this is a remarkable book. Uh, in fact, uh, it, it deals with Franz Barden and his mentor, Klinsor. Uh The two of them were apparently members of this fraternitatis saturni. And, uh, and the similarities between what these people were doing back in the 1920s and 30s and what the OTA was doing in California in the 1970s are, are just un- incredible. I mean, I, I, it's hard for me to... Uh, to, to believe what I'm reading, but uh, but we'll get into this. Um, we'll get into this next week, and hopefully, I you know I'll now see if I can if I can get Stephen Flowers to call in. Uh, well, I'll hope. And and if anybody listening knows Stephen Flowers, you know you might you might uh, encourage him to to call in on this one because I'm, it's, we're certainly going to give it a good review. Um, and. Um, and we, we gave his, his original magic a very good review about about two weeks ago. And uh so this this is something to look forward to next week. And um and until then I wanna thank thank you, uh, uh very honored brother Sifmeth. And please put this post this post this script that you that you did tonight. Post it post it as a blog on the website. Uh, you know, I will. We'll do that one. Yeah, please. And and then then you know we'll uh, we'll, we'll 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 use the comments to make some of our observations in the comments section on the blog. So until next week, uh, everybody out there, uh, be sure and join us next week. And uh, guarantee you, we're going to have a we're going to have a very interesting show on the Fraternitatis Saturni. And until then, uh, good night and good magic.